Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Today is the 24th day of Tevis. It's the 193rd yard site of the Balatanya, Alter Rabbi, who actually passed away, 193rd, actually passed away on Metzor Shabbat, Parsha Shemais. And we are learning his introduction to the Tanya, the compilers forward to the Tanya. And last week we learned the question that the Hasidim had. The Hasidim were not happy with the publishing of the Tanya because they felt that the Tanya is a poor substitute for the Yechidas, which was the personal audience face-to-face with the Rebbe himself. And the Alter Rebbe meant the Tanya to be a replacement, a substitute for, for that personal private audience. And he spent the first half of the introduction building up the question of the Hasidim, how the Hasidim are right, taking their position, taking their point of view that they are right. How can you substitute book knowledge with real-life interaction, personal, person-to-person, real-life interaction? He says the best book is limited. If it's a book that's based on human intellect, surely it's limited, because what inspires one person is not what inspires another person. But even a book that's based on Torah, which is divine, but within the divine itself, we find many different paths to godliness. There is the right, and the right hand, and the left hand, and the center, and we have Hillel, and we have Shammai. So we find within Torah itself, there are genuine paths, many different paths, various paths. Every soul has their own path. Although every Jew inherits the entire Torah, yet... The Torah speaks specifically and individually to each individual Jew. And there are those Jewish souls who are rooted in God's compassion, those Jewish souls who are rooted in God's sense of strength, the souls of Hillel, the souls of Shammai, God's love and kindness. Hillel is more liberal, Shammai is stricter. And these are legitimate paths to Hashem. And that's true in the halachic part of Torah, the overt part of Torah. How much more so... That's true when it comes to the inner, the intimate, the spiritual part of Torah. The question is, how could you substitute the Tanya for, for any other book? And now we come to the answer. The bottom of page 23. I speak, however, of those who know me well, each and every one of Anash of our country, and those countries nearby. He uses a term from the Talmud that someone who knows someone very, very well, very intimate. And he's referring to all those Hasidim from our country, which is Russia, and those countries nearby. Continue. With whom affectionate words were often exchanged in private audience, and who revealed to me all the hidden recesses of their heart and mind in matters related to the service of God, which is dependent on the heart. To them shall my words seep through, and my tongue shall take the form of a scribe's pen. In these pamphlets, entitled Likute Amarim, a compilation of teachings. This is the answer. What's the answer? Basically, that I am writing this book. I know my audience. I know them intimately. I know them very well. We've discussed, we've had many late-night sessions and we've discussed many, many private and very intimate things about their soul. And I'm writing my book to them. So therefore, therefore, this book could be a replacement for this, for, for that private audience, that face-to-face, one-on-one. Because I'm writing, I know my audience, and I'm writing and addressing myself to them. That's basically the gist of his answer. Are you satisfied with that answer? No. He built up such a question. <laughs> and what's he answering? Well, I know you, and therefore this book is fine. There's no need to meet anymore, and uh, this book will do it for you. What about the rest of us? Ah, oh, <laughs> what about the rest of us? 
190 years ago, the Alter Rebbe knew his Hasidim. But did he need us? Does he know us? On a simple level, you can say, okay, you're right. This, is, this answer is only good enough for his generation. But for our generation, for us, it's not really a substitute for face-to-face time. But it's not worse than any other, safer than any other Jewish book that was published. Okay, it's nothing special, but it's, it's, it's a good book, like any other good book. It has all the lackings of all the other books as he described. And it's just a, another book, a good book. So it's not a substitute. That, that's on a very simple level. The Hasidim have a tradition that the Alter Rebbe, when he wrote the Tanya, with divine inspiration, he included all the future generations, who, all future generations of Hasidim and all future generations who are those who are going to study the Tanya. And he had them in mind, and he's addressing the Tanya to them as well. Okay, that's if you're a Hasid and you have this tradition and you're aware of this tradition, you believe in this tradition. So the Tanya, the Alter Rebbe, is speaking to us directly. He's not a stranger. He knows us. He knows us intimately. He knows us well. And when he wrote the Tanya, he had us all in mind, including our own personal dilemmas and issues that we are, we are dealing with. Are you now satisfied with the answer? No, because that's no. better. No. Shoes, that the answer doesn't match, doesn't, match the, doesn't match the question. It's such a, such a build-up. You build up such a, such a question. Just to help you catch up very quickly, this is the introduction of the author of the Tanya. He doesn't write his name. He just writes the compilers into preface. And he, he basically begins with the question that the Hasidim had. The Hasidim were very troubled with the publishing of the Tanya because the Tanya was meant to be a substitute for, instead of meeting the Alter Rebbe face-to-face and being able to discuss spiritual issues and personal issues, the Alter Rebbe published a book, a book of advice, and he says, study this book and you'll have all the answers to all your questions. And the Hasidim were not satisfied because they argue that you can't compare book knowledge to face-to-face personal intimate interaction. And Alter Rebbe spent the first half of the preface arguing the Hasidim's case, that they're right. How can you compare book knowledge to a personal and face-to-face and intimate interaction? So the Alter Rebbe says, but nevertheless, I'm writing this book to Anash, to those Hasidim that I'm very familiar with and I know very intimately because they reveal their hearts to me. They opened up all the hidden secrets of their heart and their mind. And therefore, I know them intimately, I know them well, and therefore, this book is a good book for them, and they don't need that face-to-face time. The answer doesn't seem, the question seems to be better than the answer. And this is supposed to be the introduction to the Tanya. This is parallel to the first chapter of Genesis, at 54 Torah portions in the Torah. There are 53 chapters in the Tanya, with the preface, it's 54. So each chapter in the Tanya corresponds to another Torah portion. The preface corresponds to Bereshit, Genesis, the beginning. The foundation of the entire Torah. And we know that the Tanya is an earth-shattering book, is a revolutionary book. Every chapter in the Tanya, independently, is just a radical, revolutionary approach. If this is the preface, this is supposed to give us a taste of the author and of the book, Where's the answer? You don't see, I mean, Alter Rebbe is like saying, he's not really answering the question. He asked such a, such a powerful question. And what's his answer? But like everything else the Alter Rebbe wrote and did, everything, it's very subtle. Alter Rebbe didn't even sign his name. And he calls it a book, a collection of sayings. Just gathering sayings. I'm not saying anything original. It's all a collection of sayings of the previous uh, giants, the Shalom, the Maral of Prague, and my teachers, Rabbi Dov Ber, and the Baal Shem Tov. I'm just, I'm just a collector. I'm just compiling a whole bunch of nice sayings. Which, of course, <laughs> this is a totally creative, creative work. Well, the preface is, is exactly like that. The preface... If you think about it, just for a little bit, you realize 
the revolution of what the Alter Rebbe is saying. Because the Alter Rebbe is describing something that never existed within Judaism before. Nonchalantly. He's saying that how could the book of Tanya replace a private audience, Yechidus? The concept of Yechidus, where the Chassid would go into the Rebbe and meet with the Rebbe and have a heart-to-heart talk and reveal everything that's going on within his heart and his mind and all his spiritual ills that were plaguing him and his dilemmas. This never existed before in Jewish history. The Alter Rebbe is describing the Alter Rebbe is describing an institution that did not exist before. Something, that, something that's novel, that's revolutionary. For thousands of years, you had the prophet, and you had the teacher, and you had the student. But this concept where the average Jew would go and meet the prophet and sit and reveal all his inner secrets, and to be spiritually psychoanalyzed. That never existed before. This was a novel concept. It did not even exist with his teacher, Rabbi Dov Ber, the Maggid of Mizrich, and the Baal Shem Tev. Hasidim would go in, the great Tzaddikim would go in, but this concept that the average Jew, the simple average Jew, could go into the Rebbe and spend an hour with the Rebbe, and the Rebbe would spiritually psychoanalyze him and really get into his depth, into his spiritual subconscious and to really help the chassid deal with his innermost intimate spiritual dilemmas both in mind and heart this was a revolutionary concept so the the Tanya is meant to replace something that never existed before the concept of Yechidus and the Hasidim argued that the book cannot cannot replace, cannot be a substitute for that private, intimate audience when you're sitting across the Rebbe and the Rebbe reads your eyes and reads your face and you feel his presence and he feels your presence and together you cannot accomplish that same thing through book knowledge. And the Rebbe argues their case. But then the Rebbe says, well, wait a minute. What are we, what are we talking about here? We're talking about something that never existed before in Jewish history. We're talking about those that I know intimately. He uses a language from the Talmud, which is intimate knowledge. Spiritual intimate. And we spend hours together. And I know the inner workings, I know exactly what is plaguing you and what is troubling you on the deepest level. And what is the whole concept of Yechidus? Which is a novel idea. Which begins with the Alter Rebbe. The founder of the Chabad Hasidic movement. How is this connected with the whole Chabad philosophy? Which is a unique revolutionary philosophy within the Hasidic movement. The whole concept of Yechidus. That a Hasid has this intimate discussion with his Rebbe. And, he's be- and the Rebbe helps to spiritually psychoanalyze him. And help the Hasid, the guide the Hasid. This is all connected to the whole essential idea of the Chabad philosophy, the essential idea of the Hasidic movement, which is that the Rebbe helps the Hasid help himself. The Tanya, if you will, is the world's first self-help book. The Alter Rebbe, when the Hasid came to the Alter Rebbe, the whole underlying premise of Yechidus is that if you have a spiritual dilemma, you have all the answers to that spiritual dilemma. Because if you would not have those answers, you would never have the question in the first place. And Alter Rebbe says, what I am going to help you do is I am going to help you discover your true self, your deeper self, And I'm going to help you connect with the Rebbe inside of you. Because what is the essence of a Jew, of the Jewish soul? That each and every one of us is a piece of the divine essence. 
And that divine essence is perfect. That divine essence is whole. That divine essence is complete. And therefore you have all the answers to all your questions. Dalta Rebbe writes, he's going to write here, that this book is the answer to all your questions. How could Dalta Rebbe be so sure that he covered everything? He covered every possible question. And not only for his generation, but for future generations. Because the entire premise of the Tanya is that you have all the answers. If you're able to listen to and able to tap into and touch that your own core, your own essence, which is that divine spark inside of you, you will come up, you will discover all the answers to all your dilemmas. The answers are there. But I will help you unlock yourself. I will help you discover yourself. Encounter yourself for the very first time perhaps in your life. You'll discover the real you. Because the good news is that we're not who we think we are. There's hope. <laughs> There's much more to us than we think. There's a whole hidden depth that we're totally unaware of. Each and every one of us has a piece of the divine essence. And that divine essence is perfect, is whole, is 100%. So therefore, no matter what question you have, Alta Rebbe was confident. No matter what question you have, I have total confidence you have, we will find the answer. Because all I'm going to help you do, I am not the wise one who's dispensing with wisdom and dispensing with wise information. Because even the wisest person in the world is limited. As Alta Rebbe himself said, A is limited because every human being is limited. And B, even if he's even if he's founded and basing himself on the wisdom of the Torah, which is infinite, but every Jew has his path within the Torah. So one wise Jew path to Hashem is not the same path as the other Jew. How could the Rebbe have yechidas, encounters, private audiences, with every type of Jew, right, left, center, and the Rebbe could speak to him and speak to him intimately, and the chassid could feel totally, totally addressed. How could one Jew, how could the Alter Rebbe, how can he have these encounters and be so confident that he can help each and every Jew, no matter who he is, where he is, no matter what his background or whatever, wherever he is in his own life, he can help that Jew. How could the Alter Rebbe be so confident? Because again, the Rebbe says, what I am going to help you do is I'm going to help you help yourself. I will help you listen to yourself. Hear yourself. Your deeper self. Encounter your true self. And then, no matter what personality you are, no matter what individuality you are, no matter what characteristics you have, you will be able to find all the answers. Everything that you need, you'll be able to find because it's all inside of you. That treasure, that hidden treasure is there. And it's custom made for you. Because you have that divine spark. It's your essence. It's not something that's outside of you. That's otherworldly. That's superimposed upon you. It's your most basic nature. It's your very essential core. It's who you are. And the more, I will help you remove the outer layers, remove the outer covers, remove the shell, the klipah. Remove the ego and allow your neshama to emerge and then you'll find all the answers to all your questions. The analogy is, is a, a lake that gets clogged up. Why? Because the source, the, fresh, the source of fresh water is, is clogged up. So therefore the river grows dirty and gets all weeded and clogged up. How do you heal this, this lake? There are two ways to heal this lake. One way is by start uprooting all the weeds one by one. Or the other way is, is bring back, unclog the source of fresh water, the mayan, the well, well springs. Once the fresh water surge back into the lake, all the weeds and all the junk just disappear. 
So the, that's the approach of the Alter Rebbe. The whole approach of the Alter Rebbe was that I am going to help you become self-sufficient. I'm going to help you help yourself. I'm going to help you access the Rebbe inside of you. I'm going to show you how to listen to yourself, to your true self. Not the self that you think you are, but your real self, your genuine self, your authentic self. And once the Chassid learns, he spends the hour with the Rebbe, and he learns how to hear himself and to listen to his true self, his pintaliyid, the godly essence that's located at the center of his own being, then all the issues and all the difficulties and all the problems just melt away. Then it doesn't matter what difficulty you have. It can take many shapes and many forms. Two Jews, three opinions. 600,000 Jews, you know, 600,000 different problems and dilemmas and issues. Alter Rebbe says, it doesn't matter who you are. Every Jew that has come to me for the last 20 years, I've had these private encounters and I was able to help you. Why? How can one Jew help every type of Jew? Every single Jew? Because as Alter Rebbe wrote in the previous part, when he describes a true Jewish leader like Moshe Rabbeinu and Joshua, who is his ear, when Moshe requested from God that he should appoint a leader to lead the Jewish people after his passing in the desert, he asked God that it should be a leader like himself who can speak to each and every Jew. Why is Moshe able to speak to each and every Jew? It seems humanly impossible. How can one human being relate to each and every Jew? There's such a diversity within the Jewish community. There's such a variety. And legitimately so. There's Hillel and there's Shammai and there's... And each Jew is his own personality, his own unique quirks and, 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 and personality and character. How is it possible that one Jew should speak to each and every Jew and speak to their soul and speak directly to them? When Moshe spoke, every Jew felt that he was speaking directly to them, personally and individually. He spoke, he addressed the entire Jewish people, and every Jew walked away saying, Moshe spoke to me. How is it possible? Especially when Alter Rebbe just explained that when an author writes a book, the book by in, is inherently limited because the author is limited. The author is limited to his own type of personality and character. What inspires him is not what inspires another person. And even within the Torah itself, Hillel cannot really address Shammai because Hillel has his path within the, Jewish, within the Torah and Shammai has his own path. So how is it possible for Moshe Rabbeinu to be able to address every single Jew, the Hillel as well as the Shammai? And everyone should feel simultaneously that he's speaking to each and every one of them directly and, and um, individually. The answer is because Moshe represents the essence of the Jew. When Moshe speaks, he's speaking directly to your core, to your essence. And he's able to evoke that core and essence inside of you. Once you, he helps you tap into that core, that essence, then that core, that essence, that's you. And therefore, no matter what personality you have, or, char or characteristic traits, or talents, or individuality, or way of thinking, this is, this is you. This is your natural self. And therefore, whatever dilemmas you may be having, whatever, whatever is puzzling you or troubling you, whatever is aching you, whatever is on your mind, on your heart, once you tap into that deeper place, all the issues are resolved. And therefore, the Alter Rebbe was able to institute something novel that never existed before in Jewish history, that he described so nonchalantly Oh, this book is supposed to substitute Yechidus with private encounter. And therefore the Hasidim are complaining. So the Rebbe is saying, think about it. This never happened before in Jewish history, this, this encounter that we're discussing. And the fact that I was able to meet tens of thousands of Jews on a one-to-one -one basis, simple Jews, average Jews, Hillel Jews, Shammai Jews, spiritual Jews, practical Jews, and I was able to help each and every one of them. How is it possible? Because this is the whole foundation of the Chabad Hasidic philosophy and movement, which is the belief that each and every Jew has all the answers to all his questions. Because each and every Jew has that pintaliyid, that godly spark, that divine essence, divine core, which is perfect and whole. It's covered up. It's a diamond in the rough. Good. So I will help. 
removed. I will help you, help yourself. You should become self-sufficient. You should develop the art of communication to be able to listen to the message of your own neshama. To be able to listen to the voice of your neshama. To hear the voice and the sound of your own pintaliyid, of your own divine essence. And once I teach you how to listen to that voice, then you're set for life. You have a path, a path that will guarantee you. You will, you will enter into Jerusalem. It will take you to your destination. Guaranteed. It's a highway. It's a paved highway where every single Jew can follow this path and it will guarantee, it will lead him into the city of Jerusalem without any obstacle. This is the path of Chabad. So now that you understand what a Yechidus is, what a private encounter is, and we're talking about something unique and novel that never existed before in Jewish history, based on the whole revolution and the whole foundation of the Chabad Hasidic philosophy and the Hasidic movement, now you can understand why this Tanya is a good substitute. Because this is a book like no other book. This is not just another Sefer added to the library of Svarim, of Svarim, of inspirational books and and uh, to, to the millions of Jewish books throughout all the generations and manuscripts. No. This is a book like no other book. Just like this is a book that's supposed to substitute a private audience. Just like the concept of Yechidut, of a private audience, is something novel that never existed before and revolutionary. This book that's a substitute for that is just as novel and just as revolutionary. Because, because what I'm going to show you into this book in this collection of sayings and advice that I have dispensed over, over many, many years and decades, to tens of thousands of Jews, and that, who, who I have been able to help in their intimate and personal spiritual life. This book is a substitute for that because this book will show you the principles on which this whole thing is based on, which is that each and every Jew has a divine essence. And I will show you and help you, help yourself, and show you what you're made of, what your essence is, the two souls, the struggle between the two souls, and how you can overcome that struggle, and how you can always be in tune and be in touch with your divine soul, and how you have all the you can tap into that strength, you have all the strength, everything that you need, everything that's necessary for you to overcome any spiritual dilemma that you may confront. Whether it's dealing with joy and depression, or whether it's dealing with whatever issues may come up, which he's going to cover at length throughout the book, you will find all the answers to all your questions, guaranteed. So this book is a substitute, it's a unique book, like no other safer and is a substitute for an institution like no other institution in Jewish life, which is the Echidut, the private encounter. So in other words, when you study the Tanya, the Alter Rebbe says, it's the equivalent of you entering into my chamber and us having, and me help psychoanalyzing you spiritually, and us having a private encounter. And you will get the same result, the exact same result that you would have gotten if you would have sat with me in person, I promise you, I've put that all into this book. And if you study this book and you understand the foundation and the Chabad philosophy, Hasidic philosophy, you will have everything that you need to guide you and to walk on a path, to walk, progress confidently, go along this path, and to grow in your Judaism and to grow spiritually and to lead a wholesome Jewish life. How, how, how does that sound? <laughs> so he said that this is on page 24. He says, I speak, however, of those who know me well, each and every one of Anash, now country, are those countries nearby with whom affectionate words are often exchanged in private audience? Now, the Rebbe met thousands and thousands of these Hasidim in private audience, which was unheard of even, even amongst the Hasidic movement. It's unheard of. Those who are not Chabad, it's unheard of. Amongst other Hasidim, this whole concept of a private audience is unheard of. Yes, you meet the Rebbe to ask a blessing, he gives you 
you give him a note and he answers you. But that's asking for something physical, or, but not this concept. Where the Hasid would spend time with the Rebbe, and, and the Rebbe would spiritually psychoanalyze him and listen to him, and hear him, like he's never been heard before, and help the Hasid hear himself, help the Hasid listen to himself, like he's never listened to himself before because he'd never really heard of his true self. This is what struck people when people met the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe. What struck them most is they expected to meet this charismatic, overwhelming personality who just with his presence would just overwhelm you. And what struck them the most is how the Rebbe's total focus was on you. And he like peeled away anything on the surface. And it's like you almost met yourself for the first time. It's like you've never really met yourself. Your deeper self. Your truer self. Your genuine self. That's what a Rebbe is. That's what the Alter Rebbe did in Yechidus. That's what a personal encounter is. And that's what the Alter Rebbe gave us in the Tanya. He's showing us how to do that. How do you peel away your outer layer, your clipper, your shell? And how do you listen to your neshama? Your neshama is there all the time. It's perfect. It's the Rebbe inside of you. It's the God inside of you, the divine spark inside of you. The peace of Hashem inside of you. It's perfect. It has all the answers you need. No human being can make up these answers. These are not answers that just come from up there or, or some otherworldly place. The answers are within us. And these answers are perfect. They're natural. They're real. They meet and match our needs perfectly. They're custom made for each and every one of us. Because it comes from that genuine place. And the Tanya is here, to, is meant to show you how to access it, how to tap into it. And to find all the answers that you'll ever have. Any Jew, and every Jew, and all Jews, all future generations. The Rebbe is not just saying, I'm writing this book for those few people that I happen to meet, those few thousand people that I know. So this is a book for them. How about all those Jews that I did not meet? How about all future generations? That's not what the Rebbe is saying. But in this very subtle, modest way, the Rebbe is saying... Do you realize that this is something that was never done before in Jewish history? We're talking about something unprecedented for the last 10, 20 years at thousands of these private audiences and we did something in that room together that was never ever done before in 3,300 years of Jewish history? And how, how was I able to do that? How can I take every Jew, every chassid, and help him out? How can one Jew help every Jew? Because the whole approach is that I'm helping you help yourself. I'm helping you tap into to that core, that essence. And all the answers are there. I'm confident. How could, it not, how could it be otherwise? And the answers are custom made for your personal dilemma. And all I'm doing is I'm helping you discover the answer. I'm not giving you the answers. You don't come to me with a question, I give you the answers. How can one person have all the answers to every single question that comes to him? No. But I help you discover the answer because the answer is inside of you. Otherwise, you would never have the question. And I know 100% the answer is inside of you because you have that divine spark inside of you. So I am not imposing an answer on you. I am helping you tap in and reveal and uncover, discover the answer inside yourself. And it's a perfect answer. Customized for you. And I'm confident that we will find the answer. Because you had the question, the answer is there. And therefore, I'm writing the Tanya, which is a philosophy based on this concept, a philosophy that guarantees to each and every Jew, because the Tanya is here to address the question, to address the statement, Moshe Rabbeinu made, addressing each and every Jew, that to be Jewish and to act like a Jew and to think like a Jew and to speak like a Jew is something that's near and dear and close to each and every Jew throughout all the generations. And the Alter Rebbe asked the question, posed the question, how is it possible? How can you say that being Jewish is something that's so natural and so dear and near to each and every Jew? And the Tanya is the answer to that question. So the Tanya is not just a book written to those few thousand Jews that Alter Rebbe happened to meet the Tanya is a book for each and every Jew. For all future generations. Because the answer is there. 
it's dear and near to each and every one of us because it's all inside of us. We all have that core, that essence, that pintle that spark. And the Tanya is going to help us unlock that spark and access that spark and bring it out, allow it to emerge, allow it to surface, bring it out into the open. Make it a force in our life, a vibrant, passionate part of our life, a genuine part of our life. That it should become interwoven into the fabric of our daily lives, into our consciousness, into our minds, into our hearts, into our daily life. So that's what Alter Rebbe is saying. The way most people learn this, it's very superficial. Alter Rebbe posed such a powerful question. And this answer, if you learn it superficially, is a real letdown. What kind of answer is this? Okay, I'm, I'm writing the few Jews that I met, and it's a good book for them. I mean, well, it, the whole thing doesn't make any sense. But if you think about it, Alter Rebbe is saying something very powerful, but in his own way, very subtle and very modest and very... That this is a book like no other book. It's a substitute for an institution like no other institution, which is called the Yechidus, the private encounter with the Rebbe. And just like the, that, the Yechidus worked, and it worked with every single Jew that he met, this book will work for every single Jew in his day and age and all future generations. Talter Rebbe said he did not found the Chabad Hasidic movement for a certain segment of Jews. He had in mind that the Chabad Hasidic movement should incorporate the entire Jewish people. That every Jew should study the Tanya. As, as today. Today, the Tanya has been published in over 5,000 editions, literally published in every corner of the world. There isn't a city in the world where the Tanya has not been published and studied. And hundreds of thousands of Jews study the Tanya every single day. And this is groups from all representing every segment of the Jewish community. And that was the whole purpose of the Tanya, to take the teachings of the Baal Shem Tev, the fountains of the Baal Shem Tev, and to spread them, or to spread from one corner of the world to the next should affect and impact every, every segment of the Jewish community. So this is a book like no other book. This is a safer, a holy safer, like no other safer. Hasidim referred to the Tanya as a safer, Tanya Kadisha, the holy Tanya. And this is what the Alter Rebbe is explaining in his answer. That this book is a substitute for that intimate private audience, and therefore... Since this book is based on the same principles that, that allow the Alter Rebbe to empower each and every Jew to tap into their Jewishness and to live a wholesome and totally and full Jewish life, to merge their subconscious with their conscious and to bring the Neshama out into the open on a conscious level, the Tanya has the same effect. The Tanya empowers each and every Jew to lead a total and wholesome Jewish life where there's no split between the inside and the outside, and the subconscious of the neshama is able to emerge and surface and to totally permeate our consciousness, where the mind is gripped with godliness and the heart is on fire with godliness, and which leads a Jew to think like a Jew, to speak like a Jew, to act like a Jew, to think in a wholesome way. Being compiled from books and teachers, heavenly saints, who are well known to us. The books and teachers alluded to have been explained above in the comments on the title page. Some of these teachings, the wise, for whom a hint is sufficient, will find alluded to in the sacred letters of our teachers in the Holy Land. As mentioned above, the Alter Rebbe considered certain senior disciples of the Magid of Mazrij as his mentors, especially Rabbi Mendel of Vitebsk, who then resided in Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Mendel Vitebsk was the senior uh, student of Rabbi Dov Ber, and Alter Rebbe considered him as a mentor. After the passing of the, Alter, of the Rabbi Dov Ber, the Alter Rebbe considered him like a, you know, like a combination of a, like, like a certain, his mentor, like a, a semi-Rebbe to him. When Rabbi Mendel Vitebsk made Aliyah to Israel, this was the first group Jews to make Aliyah to Israel. This was 100 years before Theodor Herzl was born, uh, were actually a group of Hasidim. A group of Hasidim made Aliyah to Israel, and um, the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, today is his yard site, actually himself packed his bags, said goodbye to all his Hasidim, took his family, and intended to move to Israel. When they arrived at the uh, Russian-Turkish border, 
Abhav Mendel Vitebsk had a word with him and he told him it's not a good idea. You must stay behind. You must lead the, the Hasidic community in Russia. They're facing tremendous opposition, tremendous challenges. And you have the caliber. You're the only one who really has the caliber who can really um, stand up to Rabbi Leo Vilna, the Vilna Goyen, and to really lead the Hasidim. And your responsibility is to stay here and lead the Hasidic movement. So the Alter Rebbe literally reached the Turkish border. He was halfway to the land of Israel. He was already all packed, said goodbye, and was, made it halfway. That's how serious he was to make Aliyah to Israel. This was, um, this was um, over 200 years ago. And so Menachem Mendel Vitebs told him to turn back, but he considered, he respected Rabbi Mendel Vitebs. He was like his mentor, and he respected him, and he went, turned back, and he led the Hasidic movement. But they kept in touch. The Rav Nachman Levitevs kept writing letters from the land of Israel. And um, so he says some of these were alluded to in the sacred letters of our teachers in the Holy Land. He's referring to specifically the Rabbi Nachman Mendel Levitevs. Continue. Some of them I heard from their saintly mouth when they were here with us before they moved to Eretz Yisrael. All of them are answers to many questions posed continually by Anash of our country seeking advice, each according to his stature in the service of God, so as to receive guidance for themselves in the service of God. Because time no longer permits me to reply to everyone individually on his particular query, and also because forgetfulness is common, I have therefore recorded all the replies to all the questions, to be preserved as a sign, and to serve as a reminder in everyone's mind. No longer will one need to press for a private audience. He's saying that in this book of Tanya you will find all the answers to all the questions. Is that a powerful statement? Or is that a powerful statement? You're going to find all the answers to all your questions. Because again, this is, this is the whole basis of the Tanya. That we have all the answers to all the questions. Otherwise, we would never have a question in the first place. The divine spark knows all the answers. You just have to pay attention. You have to learn how to listen. It's very subtle. The divine spark is subtle. The ego gets in the way. So you got to remove your ego and allow your neshama to emerge to, and surface. And the more you listen to your neshama, the more you listen to that divine spark, you will find all the answers all your dilemmas. So the Alter Rebbe wasn't just collecting a, um, a book of advice collected over 10, 20 years. The Alter Rebbe could have taken his best advice that he has given over 10, 20 years and published a book of nice advice that worked. The best, the top 10 suggestions that really worked trying it over thousands of, uh, with thousands of people. That would have also been a very interesting, uh, but that's not what he's saying here. He's saying you'll find all the answers to all your questions. It's not just a collection of advice. I'm not giving you advice. I'm showing you. I'm going to show you the path. I want you to be able to answer your own questions. If every time you have a question you have to come to me, then I didn't accomplish my goal. My goal is to make you self-sufficient. To help you coax the answer out of yourself. To help you discover the answer within yourself. And then it becomes part of you. Then it's real, it's genuine. It's not an answer coming from the outside. A wise person gave me a wise answer. It's not me. The whole point of the Chabad is, I want this answer to be your answer, not my answer. I'm going to coax the answer out of you. It's like the wise teacher. The wise teacher doesn't give the answer to the student. The wise teacher coaxes the answer out of the student that he shows the student that the student had the answer. The student has the answer. This teacher shows the student how to access that answer. But it's there. Because if the student wouldn't have the answer, he would never would have had the question in the first place. That's a wise teacher. It's a long, short way. It's a much more difficult task. It's easier just to give the student the answer on a silver platter. But I haven't taught him anything the wise teacher wants to teach the student how to learn on his own, how to become self-sufficient. To re- that the student should realize that he has wisdom. He has that innate wisdom. 
So that takes patience. That takes time. That's what the Alter Rebbe spent time with the Chassid. He didn't just come in because the Alter Rebbe could size up the Chassid in one second and give him an answer next. No, it's not, it's not like a, a, a cookie cutter. It's not the production machine. He would spend time with each Chassid and show the Chassid that the Chassid should be able to coax the answer out of the Chassid. That takes time. And that takes effort. But it's rewarding, it's worthwhile, because then the chassid has the confidence that he, he has a path. He has a path that he can rely on. Something genuine. And that's what the Tanya is trying to accomplish. If the Tanya was just a collection of sayings, how can the Rebbe say, I have all the answers to all the questions? I mean, how, how can anyone make such a statement? You covered every single question. But they say, that's, that's not what I'm telling you. I'm not just, it's not just a collection of nice advice and nice things. The whole philosophy, the whole foundation, the whole underpinning of the whole Chabad philosophy is that I'm going to teach you how to help yourself. I'm going to teach you your conscious self to be able to perceive and be sensitive and be open and be able to hear and listen and communicate with your divine essence. Once I teach you that, you're set for life. Because no matter what question you have, no matter what your individuality, your personality, your circumstances, the answer is there. Your divine essence is perfect. It's perfect. It's a piece of Hashem. doesn't get any better. Once you learn how to communicate with that, tap into that, touch that place, that's what I'm going to accomplish with the time. That's what I try to accomplish in these private encounters, in these yichidut. And that's what I'm going to teach you how to do in the time. This is the world's first self-help book. I'm going to help you help yourself. Once I help you help yourself, you're set for life. There's nothing you can throw at yourself and there's nothing you, life can throw at you that you, won't, that you won't be able to resolve and to move forward in a joyous way, in a constructive way, in a Jewish way, in a godly way, in a correct way, in a genuine way. One that will work and work well. This is Bold statement that Alter Rebbe is making in the time. The answer to all your questions. Do you know of any other Sefer that makes such a claim? This is a Sefer like no other Sefer. For in these Likute Amarim, one will find tranquility for his soul and true counsel on everything that he finds difficult in the service of God. Thus his heart will be firmly secure in God, who completes and perfects everything for us. He whose mind is too limited to understand how to derive advice from these pamphlets, let him discuss his problem with the foremost scholars of his town, and they will enlighten him. Here the Alter Rebbe is clarifying. He's saying, listen, the Tanya is not a book for dummies. Today those books are very popular. Computers for dummies and... Uh, Tanya was not written for dummies. Tanya is written very cryptically. It's written very cryptically. You really have to know your stuff. Al Rebbe is not writing. He's writing to someone who's knowledgeable. It's written in scholarly language. It's written, it's assuming that you know the Talmud, and you know the Midrash, and you know the Zohar, and you know the Kabbalah. It's written, it's written very cryptically. So the Rebbe is saying that Tanya was not written for dummies. Tanya was written very, every word is careful, every letter, and it's very precise, and it's cryptic. So therefore, even though the path of the Tanya is for each and every Jew, yet not every Jew will just be able to lie in his bed and read the Tanya and will be able to really understand the Tanya or really get the most out of the Tanya. It's not the type of book where you just read, the, you know, you just read at your leisure, it's a book that has to be studied and has to be learned and has to be understood and it's assuming a lot of background information that not everyone has. He says, so he wrote to Tanya in a way, he says, so I'm telling you, be forewarned that you may have to go find in each city, you have to find a good teacher, someone who understands the Tanya, understands the message of the Tanya and is able to communicate the message of the Tanya and make it available and accessible to each and every Jew. So the path of the Tanya and the philosophy of the Tanya is open to each and every Jew. No matter who they are, where they are, whatever circumstances they find themselves in. 
But to be able to really learn and understand the Tanya, that, there's no shame in saying, you may need help. And he's asking, he's requesting, he's requesting those in the community who are in a position, who do understand the Tanya, and who are in a position to teach and to communicate the message of the Tanya to, to every single Jew in their, in their environment, their surroundings. He's asking them, begging of them, and requesting for them not to, not to be falsely modest and not to pretend and to communicate and to teach and to help those who need, who need your help. Continue. Of these scholars, I request that they not lay their hand upon their mouth, i.e., not to keep silent when asked for advice, for fear of appearing to be proud in their knowledge, to conduct themselves with false modesty and humility, for misplaced modesty is falsehood. Goldemir once told someone, he says, don't be so modest, you're not that great. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, people, people have this full sense of modesty when they're needed to assert, when you have to assert yourself, and you have to um, act as a leader and put yourself in a, a leadership position. You have to be, it's not about you. It's about the other person needs your help. You know, if Hashem gave you something, or gave you knowledge and gave you information, and gave you a good mind and gave you a good... Uh, um, a way of expressing yourself and you're able to communicate to others who don't have that clarity and don't have that crystal clear thinking and don't, you, you know it's not it's not your choice to be suddenly become modest and say I'm a nobody and I'm nothing and I don't want to I'm out looking for honor I'm out looking for ego that's egotistical by you shirking your responsibility that's egotistical if Hashem gave you a talent and you can help another Jew and you can help another person and be a leader who gives you the right to shirk your responsibility. The Mittler Rebbe used to say, there was once uh, the Mittler Rebbe, the second Lubavitch Rebbe, the son of the Alter Rebbe, he would encourage his Hasidim that whenever they traveled from town to town, they would go visit the Rebbe and go back home, he encouraged them, every city they stopped, they should stop and repeat the Hasidic discourse, the Hasidic teachings that they heard from the Rebbe. And, and they should do it in public. And one of these Hasidim who would visit many of these towns and would say Hasidim in public, Hasidism in public, once complained to the Rebbe, the middle Rebbe. He said, you know, it's really getting to my head. I feel I'm becoming very egotistical because he had a beautiful tongue, you know, a beautiful mouth. Wherever he gathered, hundreds of Jews would come listen to him. And he was very popular. He was like a star, you know. Wherever he went, people, he would speak and people loved him and he explained himself. He was interesting, he was entertaining. Not every rabbi is interesting, not every rabbi knows how to speak, how to hold, the, hold his audience, hold, hold their attention. You know, he knew how to present the material in a beautiful way and he knew how to engage the crowd and they loved it. So it was getting to his head. So he told the Rebbe, the whole point of the Tanya and the whole point of the Hasidic movement is to help a person go beyond his ego to rise above his eye and to become godly. And here, I'm, I'm repeating Hasidus in public and it's having the exact opposite effect on me. It's making me more egotistical. I'm like this whole star and popular and famous. And, and it, it's so, am, am I being counterproductive? What's the point? Maybe I should stop publicizing Hasidus. Maybe I should stop speaking or teaching. Maybe I should, I should take a, a, learn a lesson in humility. And what was the Rebbe's response? It's a very famous saying in Yiddish. He said, Anyone here speak Yiddish? Atzibbala is an onion. He says, Onions grow with their head in, in the ground. <laughs> he said, you should turn into an onion. An onion is bitter and sour. You have, to, you have to keep on communicating and speaking Hasidus. Why is it the other Jew, why is it his fault that you have ego issues? Because of your ego issues, you're going to deprive the other Jew from hearing godliness, from hearing Hasidus, from hearing the crown jewels of the Torah, the precious pearls of the Torah. What right do you have, because of your own e ego issues, that you're going to deprive another Jew from something that he needs to hear, that only you can give him. And the Mittler Rebbe himself once said, the second Lubavitch Rebbe, he says, he once expressed himself, he says, when I see that I'm getting nowhere in my own spiritual life, 
Sometimes you're just not in the mood or you're just not getting anywhere. So instead of focusing on myself, I go and help someone else. When you help someone else, it jumpstarts your own spiritual life as well. So the Alter Rebbe is telling his Hasidim who, out of modesty, would rather be quiet, sit in the corner, not go to the forefront, not become this leader and this public speaker and this big mover and shaker and macher and important figure. They would rather sit quietly. He says, maybe you think it's coming from a good place. He says, no, it's false modesty. You don't have the right to deprive another Jew or deprive the community from the talents that Hashem gave you. If Hashem gave you the talents, it's not for yourself. You think it's for yourself? It's what can I do for, for the world? What can I do for my fellow Jew? What can I do to help others? So he's begging with them, please, don't, don't play this false sense of, of modesty. Don't fool, deceive yourself with this false sense of modesty. Go out, assert yourself, speak, publicize. And, and then he says, you will be rewarded. Because what, what's going to be a reward? Continue. It is well known how bitter is the punishment of him who withholds food, i.e., who withholds Torah knowledge from him who seeks it. Like the Talmud discusses, that woe is to the person who is not worthy and yet pushes himself to be the leader. Someone who's not ripe, who's underdeveloped, and just out of a sense of haughtiness and arrogance and ego because he wants to be... Uh, popular or, or in a leadership, pushes himself in a leadership position, or wants to be a judge when he's not worthy, he's not knowledgeable, doesn't have the experience, and vice versa. Someone who is worthy of being the leader, and yet does not act as a leader, he is just as loathsome. And, and he will be punished severely because he is depriving. Hashem gave him a talent, Hashem gave him an ability, and it's not for himself, it's to be able to help even one other person. How much more so if you can help two other people? You can help ten people, you can help a hundred people, a thousand people. What right do you have to deprive them of this, of this life-sustaining waters and fountains of, of Hasidism because of your, your, your own hang-ups? So that's on the negative side, but then on the positive side. And also how great is the reward granted to one who provides such knowledge? This is well known from the comment of our sages on the verse, God enlightens the eyes of them both. The verse reads, The pauper and the wealthy man meet. God enlightens the eyes of them both. The Gemara applies this to a pauper in Torah knowledge and to one who is wealthy in Torah. When they meet and the wealthy one teaches the pauper, God enlightens the eyes of both of them with a light that transcends them both. Everyone needs Hashem's help. Everyone, even when we try our best, even with the group greatest talent, everyone needs God's help. Like Noah, when Noah went into the ark, it says God closed the door for him. Ultimately, a person cannot help himself. There reaches a point where a person needs outside help. We see in life, in real life, everyone needs mazel. You can have the best plan, the best company, the best person, and it just doesn't happen. Things go wrong, and there's no success. And then if you have mazel and Hashem is with you, everything just falls into place, all the pieces fall into place, and things work perfectly. So it's, we're not in control. No matter how much we think we are in control, and even with the best plans, it reaches a point where Hashem has to help us. And that's true even with the Torah scholar. Even, with, even in learning Torah, a person needs tremendous success. Sometimes you can spend hours beating around the bush because you don't really get to the point of the matter. You don't really grasp the point. You're, you're, you're not really on the right path. You don't have... And you can have a situation where with Hashem's help, you can accomplish in one hour what it may take someone else, a thousand hours. Hashem helps you. You get straight to the point. You get straight to the core, of the essence of the matter. And you don't beat around the bush. You're on the right path. So in every area in life, even our own spiritual life, a person needs Hashem's help. So if you help another Jew, and you sacrifice on your own spiritual self to help another person, take, your, take up of your time, and you're worried about your own ego, and yet you forget about yourself and help, help another Jew, Hashem will also help us. Because God, it's measure for measure. God is interactive. The way we treat other people, that's how God treats us. 
So if we forget about ourselves and help another person, Hashem will help us also. He'll, be, he'll act kindly with us also. And we need, we all need, the best of us, we all need all the help we can get. So the more we'll help another person, we'll receive the reward that Hashem will help us, that we'll succeed in our own spiritual growth, and we all need that help. So he's saying it's for your, it's for your own benefit. He's addressing himself to the scholar in the community, the teacher in the community, the leader in the community, the one who can inspire the community. He says, I have given you the tool, the tanya. It's all here. But again, it's not written for dummies. Not everyone has access to it. Not everyone understands it. Not everyone fully appreciates it. And again, Dr. Rebbe wrote, a lot of the things he wrote is very subtle. Sometimes the point could elude you. It may appear to be, he's not saying anything earth-shattering, but if you really read between the lines, and you really understand what he's saying, every chapter in the Tanya earth-shattering is revolutionary, is mind-boggling. It just blows your mind away. Just like we read here with the, with the compiler's forward, which if you read it very superficially, it's like, like, what's the big deal? But if you think about it, it's earth-shattering, what he's saying. It's revolutionary. So he's, saying, he's pleading with the, with the one or two in every community. He says, please, I need your help. I need you to be the leader, inspire, teach, communicate it, and show everyone the light in the Tanya, show everyone the points in the Tanya, and um, how it can help each and every Jew. And Hashem will reward them. It's to, the, to their own personal benefit. They're not sacrificing anything of their own spirituality. On the contrary, it's to their own personal spiritual benefit. And Hashem will reward them. Okay. Thus God will cause His face to shine upon them with the light of the countenance of the King, which provides life. May He who provides life to the living grant us the privilege of living to see the days when no longer will one man teach another to know me, for they will all know me from the smallest to the greatest. For the knowledge of God will fill the earth as the waters fill the sea. Amen. May this be His will. And it's not just a wish. Again, He's hinting at the whole essence of the Tanya. The Tanya is meant to pave the way for the coming of Mashiach, to help fulfill Mashiach's, uh, Mashiach's communique with the Baal Shem Tov soul, that when the fountains of the Hasidic movement will spread throughout the world, that is when Mashiach will come. What is Mashiach? Mashiach will be a time when every Jew will have direct access to God. The smallest, the simplest Jew to the greatest, the most complex. Everyone will know God with every fiber of his being and every bone in his body. We'll know God directly. Yes, there will be distinctions between small and great. A child will still be a child and an adult will still be an adult. And there'll be a growth process from childhood through adolescence, through adulthood, and there'll be many, many levels. But one thing that we'll all share in common is that each and every one of us will have a direct communication, a direct contact with God. It says when Mashiach will come, that's the verse he quotes, that when Mashiach will come from, from Jeremiah, no one will teach each other. Everyone will know God directly. And the Tanya is the preparation for that time period. Because the whole point of the Tanya, the whole point of the Chabad Hasidic philosophy is how each and every Jew can know God directly and should know God directly. Because each and every Jew has to develop his own path to God. Each and every Jew has to develop his own individual communication and contact with God. And that's what the Tanya is there to help us help each and every Jew accomplish to show each and every one of us how to communicate with God directly, how to tap into that divine spark within us. As the aforementioned pamphlets have been distributed among all the Anash mentioned above, by means of numerous transcriptions at the hands of sundry and diverse copyists, the multitude of transcriptions has given rise to an exceedingly great number of textual errors. As mentioned above, the words sundry and diverse copyists may well allude to two kinds of errors, the intentional as well as the innocent. Therefore, the spirit of the noblemen mentioned on the previous page has generously moved them to make a personal and financial effort. To have these pamphlets published, 
cleared of all dross and copyist's errors, another possible allusion to the two types of errors mentioned above, with dross representing the forgeries, and thoroughly checked. I congratulate them on this worthy deed. Inasmuch as the verse states explicitly, Cursed be he who encroaches on his fellow's border. And where the expression cursed is used, it implies both damnation and excommunication. God preserve us. It is actually superfluous to add any further prohibition on violating the copyright of the publishers. I come, therefore, only to reinforce the words of Scripture, as the Talmud cites, a mere practice in Judah, in order to reinforce an explicit scriptural statement. Because really, you don't need to reinforce. If it's a verse, if it's a clear statement in the Torah, it's strong enough. I don't need, what could you add to what the Torah states? If the Torah says that anyone who trespasses on his friend, on his fellow's border, is cursed, and cursed means is, is damned and excommunicated, if the Torah says you're damned and excommunicated, if you trespass, and trespassing can take many forms. In this case, if someone publishes a book and spends time and effort and money, and until he recoups his money back, if you're going to go ahead and publish the book without permission, that's trespass. It's copyright. So that's, that's prohibited. And, um, but nevertheless, I'm just add to it. Even though there's nothing really to add, as the, Talmud, the expression of the Talmud, that once it says in the scriptures, what more can I add? But the Talmud says, we'll add to it that it's a practice in Judah. That, uh, that just affirms what the verse says. So too, I'm just going to affirm what the verse says, that no one should dare trespass, that this book is copyrighted, and um, this was a way of copywriting the book. The rabbi would write in his approbation, his introduction, that no one is allowed to republish the book without permission, and he gives a time limit. He gives a time limit of five years. That's enough time for the publisher to recoup his investment and make some profits. And during those five years, no one has any permission to reprint, reprint the book. It wasn't forever. It wasn't like copyrighted forever. It was copyrighted enough time for the publisher to regain his, his, his investment and, and make some profit, reasonable profit. Okay, continue. Invoking a strict prohibition on all publishers against printing these pamphlets, either themselves or through their agents, without the permission of the above named, for a period of five years, from the day that this printing is completed. May it be pleasant for those who comply, and may they be blessed with good. These are the words of the compiler of the aforementioned Likute Amarim. Okay. Next week we will start the Tanya itself.